There is nothing on this earth more important to talk about than fatherhood. Fathers are the pillar and cornerstone of society. If fathers fall, women, children, and the rest of our society from generation to generation fall right along with them. If you're needing some positive inspiration and motivation today, my guest is ready to share his true story of how he went from being a convicted felon serving time to receiving a full pardon from the governor and serving society for generations by turning the hearts of fathers to their children. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. My guest is Charmaine Harris. Charmaine is nothing short of an inspiration miracle of real transformation. After realizing his true identity as a child of God and his purpose in life, he went on to inspiring fathers in prison to turn their lives around and their hearts to their children. Charmaine is the author and president of Charmaine Harris Associates, LLC, which provides presentations, training, and workshops to show returning residents strategies on achieving success after prison. Charmaine also started the Fatherhood Franchise Program, which is an evidence-based program that supports fathers from all backgrounds to be the best fathers they can be. While all fathers are welcome, the program caters to fathers who are formerly incarcerated or non-custodial fathers struggling with child support. I could go on and on and on about Charmaine, but you're here to hear from him. So let's start off with a dad joke. Charmaine, what is your favorite dad joke? First of all, I appreciate you having me. And um, man, I appreciate the work that you are doing. It's very important work. So uh, kudos to you and the show and all the things that you're doing over there. Um, dad joke, uh, I always keep a couple in the chamber. Um, I think I posted this one online the other day. It says, uh, my marriage counselor told my wife she should embrace her mistakes more. She leaned over and gave me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh i got another one for you can i get one more yeah go for it <laughs> all right did you hear that i'm writing a book on reverse psychology no don't buy it <laughs> that's, that's all i got for you today man. <laughs> both of those were awesome thank yeah. you i needed that for sure. For sure. All right. Well, Charmaine, normally I like to uh, save the stories to the end of the program, but I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I really can't wait that long. So please share your story from where it started to where you are now. Oh, we, uh, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I uh, grew up racing, uh, Wisconsin, uh, north side of town. Um, you know, I always talk about I was drugs everywhere. Uh, kind of, kind of a, a rough side of town, you know, violence and things like that. Um, single mom at the time, uh, five kids, four different um, fathers. And um, I always talk, talk about the story about how I went around my neighborhood when I was about 12 years old. And uh, I was asking for dollars from all of the, the men around me um, or, or guys that were out in the streets. And uh, one guy, he didn't he didn't give me a dollar, but he gave me uh, something else. He gave me two bags of crack cocaine and told me to stop begging people for money and go make my own money. Um, that was tough. 
And people that hear that, they may say like, oh my God, what a horrible person. But uh, you got to think about where he got that concept from and where he learned it from. And so that's just kind of set the premise for um, part of my life. Uh, during that time, I went through a, a tough custody battle between my mom and my father. And I had to like speak to guardian ad items and things like that. And uh, my father eventually ended up getting custody over me. Um, this is after he did time in prison himself and got out, kind of changed his life. And certainly not to discredit my mother, but she was going through some rough times at the time. So uh, he won. Uh, he ended up getting custody. I moved to Kenosha and uh, started to excel academically, but I still had that behavior piece to me. And although I played sports and, you know, did well in school, ended up graduating high school. I actually went to college right after high school. There was just still this piece of me that was just like, I didn't know who I was. Um, you know, I just was battling of the mind all day long. And I had a strong influence from the from the streets in which I grew up in. So I made the dumb choice of coming back uh, from college. And when I came back, I kind of got involved in the streets, ended up selling drugs, got caught for drugs in 2009 um, by a confidential informant, uh, went to jail, got out, went back on, you know, bond and all of these transitions. But eventually I was sentenced to five years in prison. But uh, I was fortunate to be granted what's called the boot camp program, the challenge incarceration program. And that program kind of shaped my mindset for, for my return. I'm actually writing another book on that. Uh, called, I'm, I'm titling um, how, I became, how Prison Became um, Launching Pad for My Success After Prison. And so, uh, you know, I did my time and I got out and I just wanted to change. And I wanted to instill every lesson and everything that I learned while inside. Um, I was fortunate enough not to have biological kids while in prison. I did have a stepdaughter. But when I came back a year later, I had my first son. And this is when my life changed dramatically. I still struggle with all the barriers of peer pressure and things like that when I first got out for about the first year. But when I had my son, all of that changed. And I always say um, <clears throat> or tell a story about how when he was about nine months, I went into what's called the WIC office, Women, Infants and Children. And I was just there for an appointment, just there to receive services. But when I got there, um, they told me about this fatherhood initiative they were trying to do and they were heavily promoting it. I'm like, oh, sure. You know, I'll, I'll definitely be there. I was a new dad. I was trying to learn as much as I could about fatherhood. So I come out to the event. And after about 10 minutes of being there, uh, we realized I'm the only father that showed up. So this one, my my, my spidey senses kind of got to tingling. <clears throat> And uh, the, the the director walked in and, you know, I can sense the disappointment on her face. So I kind of just took action. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm from town. I, I'm sure if, you know, if, if I was able to, like, promote this more, we could we could do it again and possibly put my name on it. I'll volunteer to do it. Um, I was down from work at the time because I had surgery. And so I did that. And about a month later, maybe two months, um, I had an event and we had over 25 fathers in attendance. And wow. these were all of my same friends that I used to run with in the streets. But the only difference is we all had kids now and we were all in the process of changing our lives. So that opportunity ended up turning into a job opportunity. Um, and there's more to the story, but I'll keep it brief. But I was eventually hired on 10 hours a week. Then we got a grant from the, um, that kind of focused on infant mortality, brought me on full time for 40 hours a week. And then within the first year of me being at the job, 
Um, over 100 fathers went through the program at the WIC office. Now, mind you, this is my first time ever working this kind of work, doing this kind of work. And WIC stands for what? Do you know what WIC stands for? Women. Infants and children. So what didn't you hear in that acronym? Fathers, right? So it just just set the, uh, just set the premise that we knew we had our work cut out for us. So I did that. My name started floating around the community. I started traveling around to other WIC offices around the state, teaching and training them on, how, on what we were doing here in little old Kenosha, Wisconsin. And um, eventually caught the attention of the district attorney in town. And he heard my story. He reached out. He said he wanted to help me, got me back in court to get me released from parole four years earlier than I was supposed to. So I wasn't supposed to get off parole till 2020, but I've been off parole since 2016. Around the same time, I received numerous awards, NAAC Positive Impact Award, um, Leadership Awards, Future Five of Kenosha Awards. And uh, one of my greatest things was I received a full ride scholarship to a local college called Carthage College. And I went back to school and got my degree in business management and marketing. Um, right after that, I went back to the same school and got my master's degree in business. And it's just been a, a, a snowball effect since then on my success all the way to the point where I reached the highest office in the state and where I was able to receive a full pardon um, for all my felony convictions in um, December of last year. And that was just one of, that was the tip of the iceberg of all of my success. And since then, I've been going around telling this story. Um, I became an author. Um, I wrote my first book. Uh, I also teach, um, criminal justice at UW Parkside here. Uh, they And I'm providing a different experience for them because I'm someone who's directly impacted and I'm teaching criminal justice. How how, how ironic is that, Jonathan? A former criminal teaching criminal justice. Teaching criminal right? justice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like I said, I've been riding that wave and now, um, you know, I'm generally booked up for months on out, going around speaking at fatherhood conferences uh, prison sometimes and sometimes in the schools. Let's dive a little bit deeper. There are numbers out there linking incarceration to fatherlessness. Some of these numbers even link fatherlessness with various violent crimes. What is your experience of this with working with inmates and what are their stories? Oh, sure. So, um, you know, they, they have numerous statistics out there, but one of the ones that pops out to me when you ask that question is um, 85% of People that are in prison uh, identify that they grew up without a father. Um, wow. I think it's 90 percent of uh, gang members um, say that they they didn't have their father in their lives, and so there's a powerful link there because what happens is when a when a kid grows up without their father, um, due to many different circumstances, we can talk about mass incarceration and you know, how family courts kind of treat men sometimes. But um, what it does is harbor resentment to the young child who doesn't really fully understand uh, what their fathers go through. So when I'm talking to fathers, one of the first things I kind of dive into is like, tell me more about your dad. And you usually get the best story ever or the worst story ever. There's not really no in between there. And oftentimes it's kind of the worst story ever. And when they get to, once I get them to dive into that and kind of release some of that resentment, they begin to heal. And then they be, they are now, they are now able to heal their sons or their daughters after they've uh, uncovered everything that they went through 
and was able to become vulnerable and transparent about it. Why is fatherhood the most important subject the media and everyone else should be talking about? How does it impact women? And why should it matter to them and our society? Ooh, you're getting deep on me now, John. Um, <laughs> man, I, in my humble opinion, man, I feel it's the root cause for all of our social ills. Uh, children are more likely to graduate high school if they have their father during their lives. Um, I believe it says 90% of homelessness come from fatherless homes. I believe the uh, 71% of teenage pregnancy come from fatherless homes. Uh, suicide rates, every single thing is tied to this to this link here when it comes to fatherhood. And so everybody should be um, be, be talking about this. And, uh, you know, when you think about the impact on women, especially a young girl, uh, I always say it like this. You let's say it's middle school or high school, you get a, a fatherless young boy hooks up with a fatherless young girl. They get together and none of them really have a model of what fatherhood looks like, what parenting looks like. And so they go about creating their own image of what it looks like. And sometimes they base it on relationships around them that are not the best. And so mm -hmm. now those women then become, uh, I mean, those girls then become women and they get introduced to child support court and all of this stuff. And, you know, they learn how to get into a relationship. Uh, nobody talked to them about the possibility of getting out of one. And then it just turns into a toxic environment. So at the root cause of everything, if you ask me, John, uh, it's, it's fatherlessness, it's fatherhood, and it needs to be talked about more. What are the barriers to incarcerated fathers staying connected with their kids, both during and after release? From a, from a father perspective, and this is just one side of it, some of them might not want their kids to see them in that current state. And so, you know, during incarceration, they, they may opt to like, uh, while I was inside, I know someone who who didn't want his kids to come and witness and, and experience that whole prison culture of door slamming and keys jingling and eating the nasty food they have in the um, commons area. Um, another part of it is, you know, sometimes a mother may be embarrassed to even say that their father's in, in prison. And so they may create another story about them being in the military or they went somewhere and, and things like that. But, you know, a, a practical uh, barrier is oftentimes when someone goes to prison, it's at least five, six hours away. And so, uh, you know, I, I've learned about new technology where they're able to visit virtually. But before that, having to make that drive and, you know, you're already putting money on the phone, you're already sending money for um, commissary, and then you got to pay for gas costs. And we know the gas prices are extremely high at times. Um, that could be a serious barrier from uh, someone staying connected to their kids during that time of incarceration. What are the barriers to fathers that are released from prison when they're trying to deal with the challenges such as child support and employment? First of all, the stigma of being a felon, not just from a societal view, but from your own internal view. You tell yourself you have imposter syndrome. Who am I to get a job? I got a felony now. Who am I to like even try to get a job? I might as well do what I've been doing and do what I know best, right? So, and then on top of that, the barriers to employment where most times guys would get a job through a temporary agency. But at that 90 day mark, when it comes to move into the company, they run a background check and they tell guys that, oh, we didn't know this because they don't do it in a temp service. But now after 90 days, they say the job assignment has ended. And so just imagine somebody struggling with employment 
And on top of that, I believe it's you have to make a payment for child support after 60 days of being released. Also, one of your record, one of your um, what do they call it? Technical rules for probation and parole is you have to pay your child support. So imagine struggling to get a job, struggling to find employment, dealing with the felony, uh, the stigma of a felony conviction. And you have to make sure you make a child support payment or you're going to be threatened with going to jail from both the child support angle and from your probation and parole agent. I don't I don't condone it. I don't you know, respect it. But I do understand why a father sometimes gives up and says, man, skip all of this. And oftentimes these are the, the guys that, you know, make make some terrible mistakes but it's due to the pressure. And so there's no rules out there that says that these companies have to hire a felon. They can make that choice. True, true. And, you know, you got those firms out there that they call themselves felony friendly. But what happens is, is, you know, they underbid you, you know, uh, these are not family sustaining jobs. They're starting points at best. And so, you know, you can get a $10, $12, $13, maybe $15 an hour job. But when you're looking at having to pay 51% of your check or 34% of your check to child support, take care of yourself and try to make um, make ends meet for bills, that can be extremely challenging. So is the system aware that of the pressure and the challenges that this puts on a new release or is it just where they don't care? I, I, I think the system is aware. I believe there are certain initiatives. There's been more, more talk about prison reform and, um, you know, criminal justice reform. More initiatives. I'm actually going to speak at at the prison about a, like a reentry fair, um, but this is new, and you know this has not been anything that's happened. You know, I can say like over the past eight years or you know seven years, um, it's fairly new. So I think they're aware, but you know, there's also people who who don't care. There's also people who feel like um, somebody should stay in prison. They don't believe in the criminal justice system that they pay their tax dollars to every, every paycheck. Um, and so when you got that attitude out there from a both personal level and some companies may say they just won't hire felons or they won't hire anyone with a criminal background. Um, when you got that attitude out there, it makes it hard for somebody to try to navigate these spaces. Tell me about the fatherhood franchise and how it helps fathers. The story I told you about Wick, um, I was there for five years. In 2020, I left and launched the Fatherhood Franchise Program. This is in the middle of the pandemic, and I was able to convert all of my stuff online. And so um, I was able to contract with Child, Kenosha Child Support Services. And what they did was refer fathers over to my program. And while they provided much of the um, technical training, whether it be resume writing or career readiness skills, um, I provided more of the social emotional piece where I'm inspiring and motivating fathers and tell them, despite what you're going through, despite who who talked to you and said that you were nothing, you have to continue to fight for your kids. Despite the child support custody order, you have to continue to fight for your kids and you got to make sure you're in the right mental space. So um, I used the um, evidence based nurturing fathers curriculum in that program. And I was running that program for the past seven years. So I actually had to stop doing the um, pro program in a pragmatic, I mean, a programmatic sense. But every day I'm still getting calls and emails. And as a father that, you know, this is just what I do. It's not, it's not for the money. I still make sure I help those guys out and teach them how to navigate 
child support spaces, find free legal help, um, talk to their child support worker, get back in court, file the right paperwork and things like that. So, yeah, that's what the father of the franchise is about. And there's testimonies out there about the impact of the fatherhood franchise, isn't there? Oh, man, that's that's numerous. Um, I got all my videos up on YouTube, both testimonies from people um, that I've worked with from a professional level and um, testimonies from the fathers that went through my program. Some of these fathers out there that you're helping don't really have anyone else in their corner. Yeah. And you are it. And it's not that they don't want to. It's that sometimes they just need that little bit of extra help. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. Just when you, when you got society or the world just telling you, you know, you ain't, you ain't nothing. And, um, there's no resources, you know, you, you see many different programs for, for mothers and that's great, you know, cause they need it, uh, too. But when we claim that we're trying to help families, we can't, we can't forget the most vital piece of the family and that's fathers. But oftentimes it's like, it's divided up where, you know, only the mother who has little children in their house uh, gets assistance. Um, but these fathers need assistance, especially the ones with the felony background and facing so many challenges and barriers. There's somebody that might say, um, well, they shouldn't have did, did what they did. They shouldn't have did the crime. True. You know, I hear you on that, but who hasn't made mistakes in life? Who, who, who hasn't, you know, messed up in life? Absolutely. You know, and we can get further and deep and talk about, you know, over-policing of certain communities and things like that. But any anytime someone needs some help, we should be here as a community to help them. Tell me about Char- Charmaine Harris and Associates and the work it does. So um, that's my, my professional business where, um, as you mentioned in my introduction, I do presentation trainings and workshops. And most of those are done with uh, child support service agencies um, and those working with fathers. And so what I do is I go out and, you know, it, may, it can be a keynote speech. It can be a four hour training. It can be a full day training. It can be a week training. But what I do is just help them understand the human centered design part of um, working with fathers and engaging them and realizing that marketing is different when it comes to fathers. Um, you have to be vulnerable and transparent. Uh, you know, men, men are straightforward. You know, we go in a grocery store. We already know what we want. And we pick it out. We go to the mm-hmm. check and leave. There's no room for wandering around. Mm-hmm. That's how um, services should be designed. And so what I do is I go into many different agencies and just kind of show them the tools, strategies that I've used. I use at WIC and show them how they can implement them into their uh, programs. You're always doing something new. And the latest thing that you're doing or that you've done is you've written a book. And it's called Working with Dads, Seven Practical Steps to Engaging Fathers and Family Services. What is the inspiration and the goal of this book? I was I was working with fathers all of this time. And while I was working at WIC and going around training, I realized that, you know, I, I can get the fathers to come in, you know, to the services I was doing. But I realized there was a gap there where many um, professionals, uh, social workers or those working in the space, uh, didn't fully understand what that meant, you know, of, uh, engaging fathers. And I knew that they wanted to. So what I did was I just, I said, let me just draw this out and, you know, make it easy to read. And I created these seven steps to engaging fathers in family service, whether it be child support, um, early head start, uh, education. Um, we all need to be more inclusive to fathers, but oftentimes when a father sees 
or there's a stigma attached to like a child support. It's like, I'm not welcome there. It's a wick, women, if and children. I'm not welcome there. Schools don't do the best job at, and you know, encouraging and, and engaging fathers. A, a dad might think, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of my kids, but I'm certainly not welcome at the school, maybe for conferences, but nothing else. And so I created this book to kind of shape and guide the, um, the minds of, um, child support workers or those working in family services. And, uh, you know, one quick stat, uh, 81% of social service workers are women. And, and, and that's great. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic, but, um, there can be some imbalance there. And so the book is designed to kind of help them kind of understand the fathers and also understanding their history with fatherhood and diving into their relationships and, you know, their history with their father, because you have to know about that before you can go try to engage your father. Otherwise you might be taking something out on him that you went through. And, you know, that's all under the uh, implicit bias. You don't understand it and you don't recognize it. So you got to deal with that. Um, some of the workers have to deal with that before they can go out and try to engage. I'm going to make this book really easy to find. So if you go to the fatherhoodchallenge.com, go to this episode and look below the episode description. I'll have a link posted there on how you can get this book. This book could be a game changer for the family services field. Absolute game changer. Yes. Appreciate that. How can fathers get a hold of you and find out more about what you're doing? All social medias, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, it's just Charmaine Harris. Uh, and then my website, CharmaineHarris.com. If you go to my website, CharmaineHarris.com, within a couple seconds, my, my the link to my book will pop up. But most people can find me on CharmaineHarris.com. Once again, that's CharmaineHarris.com, S-H-A-R-M-A-I-N. H-A-R-R-I-S.com. And that link is also going to be in the episode description. So once again, if you go to the fatherhoodchallenge.com, that's the fatherhoodchallenge.com. Go to this episode, look right below the episode description, and you will see the link there to his website. You can not only find the website there, but you can also find all of the resources. You can find his book there. And so I would highly, highly encourage you to go to his website and learn what, learn about what he's doing. And most importantly, find ways to be able to get involved. So Charmaine, as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? Man, if you're a father out there and you listening now, I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you and inspire you and motivate you and let you know that you are not alone. Um, we are with you. You are important. Um, the world needs you, right? If you listen to this, I just want you to say that out loud to yourself. Say, the world needs me. Not only does the world need you, my, your family needs you. Say that out loud. My family needs me. And most importantly, I just want to let you know, your kids need you. Say that out loud to yourself. My kids need me. The future is dependent on you. I don't care what challenge or barrier you got to go through. I know it might not have worked out with the mother of your child. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you're just not seeing eye to eye. You have to do everything in your power to fight for your children because the future depends on it. So I challenge you with that. Fight each and every day for what you believe in. And that should be your kids. Charmaine, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. This has been absolutely powerful and badly needed. So thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.